and then when you're off duty, just the, the switch just flips and you just go back to being a kid, a kid, okay. a camper, yeah. and you have no responsibility and less supervision than you had before. Yeah. Going away, I'm going away, I'm going away from home. I'm going away, I'm going away, I'm going. This is the Summer Camp Chronicles, a podcast where one camp old timer, one young camp professional, and some very special guests share their revealing camp stories and explore what makes summer camp uniquely special to so many people. Welcome back to the Summer Camp Chronicles. I'm Eric. This is Ben. And Ben, uh, this might be the time to give the audience a little bit of a disclaimer. Because, right. uh, you know, if I, if I, so I, I'm a parent. Yeah. I've got kids. But if I were listening to this podcast so far and I were thinking about sending my kids to camp, I might think twice, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't blame them. I mean, all we've talked about is where are the counselors? And, you know, we were running away and we were skipping activities and we were unsupervised and we were doing dumb things. Um, So I think it's worth saying that we are now camp professionals. We take our jobs very seriously. Yeah. And as an industry, I think camp has changed tremendously since the 80s. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to my directors who I adored, but it's really become a much more professional, intentional community of childcare professionals who yeah. you know really adhere to a, a high standard Absolutely. of supervision and a take above all else, uh, seriously, the yeah. physical, safety. emotional yeah. safety of the kids that we are there in our care. So if you're out there and thinking about sending your kids to camp, uh, none of the stuff that we've talked about in the show would really happen no. today at our camp, literally. And the reason we find it so funny is because how far from realistic it would be now. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so yeah, just to reiterate what Eric said, like we reflect on all of the, these stories and I find them so astonishingly shocking and hilarious simply because the camp world that I know and the one I live in and work in, uh, is so remotely far from these stories that Eric right. is telling. Right. And I should probably save a couple of relationships in my life right now by saying, uh, not just would these not happen at a camp, but the camp that we've been talking about is Camp Walt Whitman. Yep. I literally send my child to that camp now. <laughs> That's right? true. So uh, if you're thinking, man, that camp must suck. Uh, it's an incredible camp. I want I want everyone to know I trust them with my kid. It's a great camp. Please don't be mad at me. <laughs> right. Okay. Maybe we should take a step back and assess where we are in this story. How's yeah, that sound? I think the cool thing is I'm listening to these stories really for the first time myself. Uh, as well. So where we're at is what I've gathered is yeah. that you've had a, a really great childhood camp experience and uh, met these friends. We've got and John. And really, I feel like I'm following you through now these teenage years of mischief and curiosity and growth. It's yeah. funny. I mean, this season does seem to be turning into my story of my early camp years. Just a reminder, I have the luxury of being one of the hosts here of taking a whole season to do this. <laughs> but we're really excited to get other people to tell their camp stories yeah. on this show to us. You know, the phone has not been ringing off the hook from um, Henry Winkler's no, peeps hasn't, yet. Hasn't yet. But I imagine that will happen any minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we've been waiting for his call. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, so we invite we invite lots of people to come and tell yeah. the stories. Mine, I'm dragging out a lot. So yeah, so '86 was when I started at uh, Whitman, and I met John, and then uh, we did '87, '88 was like the introduction of mm-hmm. Three Musketeers, and I uh, I can only imagine that people out there are thinking, how did this schmuck become a camp director? Yeah, um, and just wait for it; it's coming. Like there's a transformation to come. Yep, uh, it does take most of the '90s to, to fully take hold. Yeah, but we're getting there. I, so, and I get to experience it on the reverse. 
Yeah, that's right. Oh, I've met the camp director and now I'm finding out all this interesting right, stuff, which right. is fun. We're chipping away at your admiration for me <laughs> as we go episode <laughs> to episode, whereas yeah. other people are they're like big, you know, it's building up yeah. a little bit. No, but what's coming up now is um, what happens uh, for me as I start to transition from being a camper into a staff role. Yeah. And so uh, for this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about my CIT summer, mm-hmm. which is a counselor and training summer. Then 91 was my first summer as a counselor. Yep. And, uh, and you know, I think uh, that's really when it starts to change from, you know, me sort of taking my head out of my ass a little bit and saying, wow, this place is about more than me. Yeah. There's kids here. Yep. <laughs> and I like that part of the job. And, and then, you know, some stuff will happen uh, with some of the personalities we've yep. met that they end up going in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, and here I am today. So, uh, so for, for this episode, there's actually another introduction to make because the friendship that I really kind of picked back up, but uh, solidified in the summer of 89 is I think representative of me coming out of that three musketeer phase, okay. being a little less exclusive, being yeah. a little bit more uh, attuned to the bigger picture. And um, this gentleman's name is Kevin. We're going to talk to him today. So awesome. we're trying to pull some of the memories out of him and, and talk a little bit about our relationship and what it was like to be CITs. And Kevin was a more of a, I don't know, I guess more, a little bit more of a serious guy. Like guy. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the word. I'm not sure he'd agree with that. But <laughs> he just didn't have, you know, I described as being dark and mysterious and John as being all hard and goofy. And he was neat. You know, Kevin was just something different. He yeah. was just like a, a nice kid. Yeah. So this is where you, I think you're going to join the conversation even more. Right? Like I've been kind of excluding Ben here because no, poor kid it. didn't grow up getting go to summer camp in New Hampshire like I did. No, I'm, so I'm forging my own kind of uh, experience just by living through yours, Eric. But right. uh, but what? you but you do know what it's like to come to camp, and you admitted. I mean, you said I came to camp because uh, you know I went to go to America and have fun and drink some beers. Yeah. And then you were kind of taken aback by what it did for you personally in terms of like being part of a community and the relationships that you developed, but also the work you know you you knew you wanted to be a teacher and then suddenly it was like this is a whole other thing here that that we can do with kids so i kind of had the same experience but from a perspective of not even knowing i liked working with kids being a kid literally being a kid and being thrown into a situation where it's being a cit is a funny thing like there's like a tale of two erics in one summer yeah because you literally have time when you're on duty you're sort of attached to a cabin or a program area and are given some responsibility to help with younger campers and then when you're off duty, it's just the, the switch just flips and you just go back to being a kid, a kid, okay. a camper. Yeah. And you have no responsibility and less supervision than you had before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So as you can imagine, John and and I were still as stupid as we were, yeah. you know, 10 months earlier. Yeah. But then we had literally no limits on us whatsoever. That's and we so had access to all kinds of stuff that we shouldn't have had access yeah. to. And so, you know, I think that's what that summer is for me in my memory. Yeah. I remember being a camp graphic CIT, which is the hiking and camping program. Okay. And Sam, who we've met, was mm-hmm. one of the counselors in that program and really looking up to them and watching the way that they did the work that they do with kids and, you know, leading trips and uh, the, the excitement that they brought to that program. So, you know, on one hand, I was, I was developing that excitement for the work. And then, like I said, you know, you would then just like walk away and then totally... Fuck around. Fuck around, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the time, did you look at Sam and realize, I mean, how old were you at this time? Are we talking 15? 15, yeah. So did you look at them and go, that level is attainable for me? Like, were the seeds of that aspiration already beginning to grow or this right. is something you weren't aware of at, a, at 15? I don't think I was aware of it. Okay. We talked earlier about this concept of wanting to initiate in a positive way. I don't mean like a like a hazing ritual, but initiate younger campers into the experience that you've had. Yeah. And it, there's n- nothing epitomizes that more than being a CIT. Yeah. CITs are revered. 
you know, you, you, you get assigned. I remember being assigned to one of the younger cabins and, you know, you walk in the bunk and all the kids, the kids don't even want to talk to the counselors anymore. Yeah. The CIT is here because he's even younger and even cooler yeah. and even closer to their age than the counselor. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a new kind of power and prestige. And, you know, for me, I, I took that on board and hopefully did, you know, did some good with it. Right. You yeah. know, like <laughs> I really wanted these kids to learn all the, the culture and the traditions and, um, the good ones, you know, I didn't teach yeah. them how to throw knives in the woods <laughs> yet. The transition from camper to staff member is a really interesting one. Mm. There's a real need to reset your expectations and to really let go of the parts of camp that are for you yep. and, or at least rework them, you know, figure out how to get what you need from camp, yep. uh, in a, in a way that fits in with the job that you're supposed to do. Right. And I think that's a very, very hard transition. And so CIT year is designed to help you do that. So yeah. they, they kind of give you, you know, they, they, they wean you off these things. Like yeah. there are times in the day where you're allowed to just go and play, you know, you can go up and use the tennis courts, yeah. but, but mostly it was work. So, so CITs only live in cabins with other CITs. It's not like you're in a cabin with younger kids. Yeah. There are different models for it. But in this case, uh, we had days off together mm-hmm. with our CIT director we had nights out where she here took us out of camp and then we had our own cabin area. So nice. when we were kind of off duty, you know, five o'clock or whatever it was, we could go back and, uh, as it turns out, just screw around. Yeah. Like bully each other and yeah. do other things. Yeah. So that was what that summer was about. And we, we definitely took advantage yeah. of, uh, of all those. We, we were not ready for those responsibilities, let's say. So mm-hmm. for example, when they took us out on nights out, we would uh, end up coming back to camp with things that didn't belong to us, like mm-hmm. bowling balls. And they have in New England candle pin bowling. So yep. they're not the big, heavy balls with the three holes in them. They're more like big shot puts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this actually came up in our conversation with John. So let's let him tell this part of the story. All right. I want to get, I want to get your take on a couple of things. One is our CIT year. I, I don't do you remember the duck pin bowling. Yeah. Yeah. And do you remember yeah. what we, we stole the duck pin bowling balls? And we brought them back to our cabin and we discovered that it was really satisfying. You could throw them at the wall and they would embed themselves in the plaster <laughs> and just stay there. So we did that over and over and over and over again. And then finally, it was like the last day. That was our CIT year, right? That was like yeah. our last day of camp. And we were like, oh shit, the, the staff owners are going to find this destruction that we brought here. Well, Bill did. And, Bill did. Oh, did he? Yeah. So what no, happened because was- we fixed it. No, the, the he, very he, the very friendly dude that lived across the street that was like the handyman came and fixed it for us. No, Bill Bill made us do that. So Bill found out. We spent all summer just wrecking this place, throwing balls into the into the wall, literally into the walls. We also were um, we built campfires on the porch. And so there was a big burn spot on the porch. <laughs> there was also an entire room that was unoccupied. So it was like it was like a weird cabin with a one main room and then two smaller rooms off of it. Right. And we just were too lazy to actually like take out our garbage. So we just called it, we just made it the garbage room. And so we would go out, you know, on a day off or night out and buy bags of chips and, you know, food and candy and just, you know, whatever. And then rather than throw it away, we just throw it into the room, the room. to the point where the room got like a foot no. deep of just trash. trash. Um, and then we'd have toilet paper fights and stuff and all the toilet paper would end up in that room. But Bill found out okay. and it was the day of car. It was like the last day of camp. And he was like, I, I am pissed to I fuck you are not coming uh, back into the you know whatever the special event was yeah, until you get this fixed and so I had pictures of us painting the porch and we had to put up new drywall and everything right we thought it was great we had a wonderful yeah. time uh, but did you did you realize the uh, like 
Like this, this was serious. Like at that point when you were sitting in Bill's office, was there a sense of like, I, guilt? I, I'm ashamed to admit that I don't think there was. Yeah. Nor did I even realize that I was jeopardizing. And we just went through this whole thing about how much I love being a CIT and, yeah. and I ended up becoming a counselor and it, did it not occur to me that maybe I was. This could risk that. Yeah. Apparently not. Was that like a turning point for you in regards to like the three musketeers or you feel like you were already transitioning out of, you know, the John and phase and starting to think more about the other people in this immediate community? In retrospect, I'd like to say that it was the beginning of a greater awareness. But as I said, it was, it was stops and starts. Yeah. You know, the following summer, the four of us, so John, Kevin, and I all went to work as dishwashers at a resort in Maine. Okay. Because it was a mandatory summer off from camp. They, you know, they don't take counselors after their yep. 11th CIT, grade yeah. summer. You have to, uh, well, now you have to come back after at least a year of college. But at the time, a few of us were invited back after our senior years of high yep. school. But the, but the year before, you have to go do something else. And so we were you know, at a complete loss for what to do. All we wanted to do was be together yep. in a camp-like environment. Yep. So there was a woman who went to camp in 1948 who owned a resort in Maine. And we called her and said, can we work for you? And she allowed us to come and be dishwashers. Yeah. And that was like another step. You talked about CIT or being increased independence and autonomy without the maturity to match. Yeah. Being a 16 year old employee. Amplified it. Yeah. Just at a, literally just at a, in a, essentially a public setting yeah. with a bunch of college kids and, and graduate students. That was all. So we went, so I, that was total regression. That's another episode. Yeah. Total regression. <laughs> so John and I, I'd say we're still, doing our thing mm-hmm. the following summer. Uh, but we did allow Kevin into that group. So yeah. I think that that is progress. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and he got dragged into our shtick a little bit. But um, but I came out the other end, you know, by 91, only Kevin and I were counselors. Yep. So uh, that was a, a new phase kind of to be a camp without either of them yep. for the first time. I'm interested to meet Kevin just to see what, what he's like as a guy yeah. after hearing so much about John and yeah. Well, it turns out I, I pick friends with good character and really shitty memories. So <laughs> so I don't know what he's going to give us. Yeah. We were texting last night and he said, just so you know, I don't remember don't anything. Remember and I said, well, try, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, do your best, please. Yeah. I would love to hear from you about sure. your camp story. Where is it? You started before me. So tell me about, about showing up at camp. All right. So I went to camp two years before... You. So I was, I started going to camp. I, I was forced to go to camp at age eight and I went to this camp called Kindering and I hated it. Bullied. I was this little chubby New York kid who, you know, who didn't play sports or anything, you know, and had never. Um, and I was a latchkey kid. So it wasn't like I had after school activities or grew up in Manhattan. And I came to this camp that was a very sports oriented camp and I was bullied a lot and I was miserable for two years. And so my mom was looking for another camp and went to a camp fair and found Walt Whitman. I remember being, you know, I think, you know, skeptical because of my previous camp experience, but it was much more of a nurturing environment. That's Walt Whitman was this, I mean, it's named after a poet for God's sake. So very apprehensive. I remember going the first year. I never was bunk mates with and John and I hated them, especially hated like, Why? I used to like, battle with him because he was a jerk he, yeah. he was like he was a, i mean he was he's like very sarcastic he's super smart right we all know this right and so that made him he was very clever and just a jerk and so there was this rivalry between me and and then vicariously me and john and john kind of always was sort of the sidekick you know he wasn't always the instigator but he certainly you know would, would add on 
Hmm. Right. He wasn't like the nice kid he was. He turned out later to be. Right. He turned out to be a really nice person later on. John, you know right. what I mean? And, and really caring and thoughtful. But he wasn't that way, you know, when we were kids, you know, when you're right. like preteens. To add a little color to that, the way Sam described him is that when John was around kids who were doing bad things or kids who weren't being nice, he was bad. When he yeah. was around kids who were being kind and, and being good, he, he, he would adapt. So like, he, cause I remember thinking, I remember hearing that, that Sam had had to stay with him for years, you know, because he was the hardest kid in the bunk and he was, you know, kind of a pain in the wow. ass. And he was like, yeah, basically like before 86, he was kind of in the wrong crowd. And then 86 was this sort of different kind of thing. And I came along and, and then, you know, he had the, he had the ability to be either, but it sounds like maybe when, before I got there, he was a jerk. He was a jerk. He was, but it was really being the instigator, right? And John's, John, you, you know, had a follower kind of personality. So uh, nothing changed until that bunk eight year. Everything changed that bunk eight year. I started to lean out a little. I remember I, I started to, you know, and then I met you, right? And you were so small. You were such a <laughs> tiny little kid. Yeah. I mean, I just remember you being so skinny. So and I remember meeting you and, you know, we, we, got, we got along. We had the New York sort of connection. So then, and then there was this, you know, strange amalgam and John got forced to be in this bunk. So he was separated from huge deal because now we have John who doesn't have anymore. And they were just like, you know, like John was sidekick, but it really didn't matter in bunk eight. And that bunk eight was the great leveler that year. And sort of, we, I mean, I think it was a slow transition, but I remember by that end of the year, we were all close. We were all friends and we bonded over things like sports, right? And like us versus senior camp, right? I remember there was some real bonding and Sam, remember um, Time Warp? So we did yeah. the, the talent show, we did the Time Warp, which is so awkward and odd now, but, and John dressed up as a girl, remember? As the, yeah. And, but we really bonded over some really weird things. And Sam was such a positive influence. He, I don't think he like, you know, I don't think he stopped necessarily bullying, but I'm certainly didn't countenance the bullying. I think he was just a, you know, he wasn't that kind of guy. And I remember that was the year where everything, like, I was like, I love camp. I love it. Right. And that was where it was also Walt Whitman all in. And it's so fascinating that, because that keeps coming up. I mean, Ben must think I like have made all this shit up, but <laughs> every single person we talk to, even people who aren't in that cabin, like we talked to Jeff Ashworth, right? He's got, he's been in the camp on and off since 1977. And Ben, you know, was like, you know, Jeff, how do you figure out, like, you wanted to rearrange your life to, you know, to come to America and to be a teacher and like make camp a priority. Yeah. And he said, out of the blue, he said, I'll tell you what, 1986, I was visiting and I got asked to lead a traverse. Do you remember this? That you and I went on the canoe traverse um, and only three kids, John and Mike and one other kid went on the, on the hike with Sam hike. and Jeff. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so for Jeff, like essentially a, a stranger in the story, he's like 86. That was the time. It was mm -hmm. it was my interaction with that bunk, with John Bent and Sam Falk. And then we talked to Sam, who again, had been in the camp since like the 70s. And he had grown up there and we said, you know, what was, I think you said, like what were some of the most well, the highlights, the ones you remember most? He came back to 86. That was a special group. Uh, that was the year he fell in love with Kat. Remember like the one time in his life he... He had, to, he, had he, like, he dated someone totally out of his league. Like it all came down to 86. It was crazy. Remember when we were in the same bunk in senior camp? Yeah. Yeah. That was the year when that joined the mix for me. And, yeah. and, it's, and I think we kind of went our separate ways a little bit. Like I was kind of ex very exclusive, literally exclusive about the, you know, the three of us without anyone else. Well, where did that happen for you? Because in bunk eight, it didn't happen. It was, 
No. It like was the first year senior camp, right? Yeah, like you said, I think it was influence, right? I, it would be really interesting to, to imagine what would have happened if you know if you and John and I and everyone else from Monkey just went to senior camp and didn't, and I, you know, and, and the thing didn't happen, we might have stayed in the mix with you know with the general group. But I feel like that whole two years was just kind of this aside for me. Like we didn't go to activities; we just did all our bad shit like on our own in the woods, you know. So I don't remember a lot about that summer except not not being with you and remembering you were mostly with them. Then I remember that next summer. So we're what fourteen? We're all together in that bunk, and um, I remember very distinctly feeling stupid because you, for some reason, like you dorks would talk about school stuff and biology and math, and I remember thinking about oh, how smart you guys were, right? You would all. Somehow you made it cool to be smart. Um, so that was the year that I got to know and, and better, right? So John and, or I, and you and I knew already knew each other and then came to the mix. And was always a jerk, but he was incredibly funny and clever because he was so smart. And so he overcame the jerkness by being so funny. He was so freaking funny and clever funny. His humor was always a step above. But I just remember, and when the three of you guys got together, it plays into that smart thing. So you were smart, funny. And I remember like wanting to be part of that group. And I never was, right? So it was always the three musketeers. So you guys got labeled the three musketeers that first year, I think. Yeah. Right. I remember you guys always going off and doing our own thing. And, um, and that is my memory of that summer is sort of like being sort of in your crew and that no one, we didn't hate each other anymore. And I weren't adversaries anymore. Right. Yeah. But um, we weren't exactly, we weren't exactly inviting either. I mean, I, I think we were, pretty explicitly told that we were being exclusive and we while we try to mitigate you know the, the consequences of that i don't i think we also were proud of it and we sort of embraced that we embraced the you know the nickname but also the the fact that like it was just it was just us and nobody could break into that uh, and again that's not i'm not proud of that but i think that was the mentality at the time yeah no no absolutely but it was it was nice for you guys you had this sort of you know, sort of exclusive group that everyone thought you were a little bit, I mean, like you always went off and did your own thing. And I remember was always a rebel. So he would always push the envelope in every way possible. And I kind of admired him for that. He was very much like, you know, like stealing sodas and hiding them or do whatever, right? Whatever he did, he tried to break the rules. He was always, and, and I think that's probably why you were attracted to him a little bit too, right? Because he was and John would just go along and John certainly played into that. And right, he was always a little bit nuts. Um, and it was always, that's why it was always so shocking for me how smart he was. And he turned out to be the smartest of all of us, right? And that, that's the shocking part because he was always so like, he was so, he, he had no common sense ever, right? He, and pairing up with and it would egg him on to do stupid stuff and him not having any common sense, he would always do them. And that carried on. I mean, then he goes to plow and marries a plowing woman and adopts some children. Yeah. Right, like, like at, at a very young age too. Right, like, I mean, it was, it was, it all tracked. Like, he just like what? Just totally. always to a beat of a different drum, right? Totally. So, anyway, so getting back to to senior camp, to end of senior camp. So, I felt like I was in with the group a little bit enough to be friends with everyone, and and I weren't necessarily full adversaries anymore. And um, I always sort of wanted to be friends with because, like I said, he was sarcastically smart and very funny, right? And so. Um, and you were always friends with him. And um, then, and then going into CIT year, a lot of the guys that you had been friends with in senior camp did not come back as CITs. Disappeared. So that probably 
you know, I wonder if that threw you for a loop at all when you first arrived, but it also allowed us to really, you know, again, in, in conjunction with me, maybe opening my eyes a little bit more and being more inviting and open to it. Uh, and then you us not having as many other options, we kind of brought you in and it was much more like I, like you and I had an independent relationship, but also the four of us hang out a lot. And it was, it was yeah, just a so different that, dynamic. Being a CIT was different from being a camper. Yeah, no, that hundred percent correct. Like, so CIT, we were, we were, I think, you know, brought us even closer because it's a smaller group. That was the turning point in t- terms of, I think I would consider and John real friends, true friends then. And you and I started getting closer. I would say there is nothing more. So I'm sending my, my, my I've always wanted to send my kids to camp, but I haven't been able to afford it. But this finally, because I, I worked in government for years. And so finally I'm, I'm not in government. I'm able to send. So I'm sending one kid this summer, hopefully going to be able to send at least one other in future summers. And, you know, and I, I was so stressing sending him because I was, I was really hurt. I was hurting like, you know, if I could, because wanting to have them have that experience, because I never felt things as deeply, like both good and bad as, as my years at camp. It's just the right age of hormones and nurturing environment and kids being on their own for the first time and sort of figuring out what, who they are, right, and where they fit in the world. Because you don't really have that opportunity necessarily at school. There's always other outside factors and things, mm. right? You're on your own so much of the time and you're able to be, you're forming who you are. I mean, and so much of who I formed to be was because, but I was around you, Eric, and around John, and that's why, you know, and Alex and Bibi, all these people. So I think it's that we're forming as adults and we're able to figure it out at camp, right? And you feel everything. So I wish I felt things with the emotional highs and lows now in my life. Like, I just can't feel that anymore. I just, you just sort of get even keeled, right? And at that time, everything's such a high and a low. And to be able to share that amazing highs and lows with these people, it sort of like connects you together. And you're only together eight weeks, but it's like the best time in the most of my life. And to this day, if you ask me the best summers of my life, the best time in my life, I would not hesitate to say those years at camp, right? Because you're, the highs were so good and the lows were so bad. Mm. You know what I mean? But that's what made it so, but there were lows together. I mean, you feel it, even though you and I haven't, spent a lot of time together yeah. for the last 20 years. I could pick up a phone and talk to you like we haven't, nothing, you knew the exact, everything that's happened in my life for the yeah. last 20 years. Yeah. Because I knew you when you were forming who you were, Eric, you know, who you became. And that's why I wanted my kids to have that experience because I know, so it's my 12 year old going, that it's going to mean as much to him as it meant to me. Absolutely. So in your head in the progression of these, of this first season, as we, uh, are traveling through your camp journey before we start traveling through others. Give us a little preview. Like, what are the what are the, some of the main um, milestones and points that we can, you know, as listeners, look forward to? Next episode has has the moment for me. So there are, co- there are a couple moments. I think eighty six. Yeah, I've said it ad nauseum now. Yeah, right. We've, dis- we've discussed it. Uh, that was definitely the moment. I I think I sit here today as a camp director because I had a great experience in yep. eighty six. Had I stayed at my first camp which was that, you know, boys sports camp with, mm-hmm. with kids from home and my cousin, I probably would have, uh, you know, gone the route that, that I think many guys and girls go, you know, where maybe I would have ended up, you know, doing soccer camps in the yeah. summer and, yep. and, you know, I'd be a teacher right now, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the, the, that was the click in my head yep. where it's like, wow, I want this in my life. Yep. And then next episode, we're going to talk about the summer of 92 and I don't want to give too much away, but uh, John and we're back at camp with me. Kevin was not. 
So the three of us were counselors together, and it didn't go well for some of us. I want to linger a little longer, a little longer here with you. The Summer Camp Chronicles is hosted by me, Eric Sassone, and by Ben Jerez. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. That will all help us share the Summer Camp Chronicles with more camp lovers like you. Follow us on Instagram at Summer Camp Chronicles, or email us at summercampchronicles at gmail.com. Send us any comments, feedback, or parts of your camp story that you want to share with us. We're looking at you, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. RBG, hop on down from that bench, and it's summercampchronicles at gmail.com. Our opening music is Going Away, and our closing song is Linger. Both songs are performed by Lisa Loeb, who was a huge fan of camp and generously allowed us to use her music in this podcast. These songs, and a bunch of other great camp songs, appear on her album, Camp Lisa. Proceeds from that album help send underprivileged kids to camp, so we hope you'll check it out. I want to linger a little longer here with you. Think of you inside. This is good night and not goodbye.